This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser, and welcome back to another episode of Reform This and your faithful host, an American Muslim patriot who loves his faith and tries to join with you every week in breaching that fault line between the most controversial issues that span between the Islamist ideology that threatens us and the modern free world that we are blessed to live with, uh, live in here in America. And this week, as the fallout of the uh, Orlando uh, act of war, the jihadist attack uh, against uh, the Pulse uh, gay bar, some of the details uh, started unraveling and coming out. Uh, we will talk today about blasphemy in America and what we can and cannot say and how do we what can we learn from this fallout as some of the details start to emerge from the 911 call of Omar Mateen as he sat uh, amongst the slaughter that he did and uh, called to pledge allegiance what can we learn about the need to dispense with any and all blasphemy in America or any blasphemy laws that try to restrict our speech and try to restrict what we can and cannot say, not only because of what's perceived as uh, political correctness, but because of the power entities globally that seek to control what we say in America and the freest government and society on the planet. Yes, it is not just domestic groups. Yes, they play a role. Groups like the Council on, or I like to call them CARE, the Council for American Islamist Radicalization, uh, but it goes beyond that. There are their puppet masters in Saudi Arabia and Qatar, Iran, and the Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas. These large global Islamist movements control and use their Western organizations that are their propaganda arms in order to prevent us from having an understanding that there's a direct link between their global Islamist movement, their platform, their party of the Islamic party, whatever country they may be in. It's an insurgency in the West, and in the Muslim-majority world, they're trying to take over those countries. And they don't want us to understand the connection between their role, their idea, their platform, and Islamism and ISIS or Al-Qaeda or the militant arms of terror. Yes, just as violent homophobia comes out of nonviolent homophobia, violent Islamism, ISIS comes out of supposedly nonviolent Islamism, which I believe is not true. It's simply a cover. So the Saudis who claim they have the rule of law and justices and uh, ultimately, they say that their beheadings are very different than the beheadings done by ISIS. We know, at Reform This, we know that the cause, the forefathers, the founding fathers of ISIS are Saudi Arabia. And so first, as we look at the blasphemy laws in America, I'm going to talk to you today about a, a writer by the name of Muhammad Radi who talked about the response in the Arab world. And then we're going to the response to Orlando. And, and then I'd like to talk to you a little bit about what the Obama administration did similarly to try to prevent us from knowing and spreading the information of the act of war that Mateen did. And then talk also about the non-coincidental release of the blasphemers list from CARE and the UC Berkeley report on Islamophobia and the hit list that they released. And last, talk to you a little bit about my speech and time in Birmingham, Alabama, and the symbolic 
nature that that has and some of the response from the local Islamist community there and also a little bit about what's revealed about Mateen's family out of Florida and some of the political connections that his Taliban-supporting father had. So first, let's talk a little bit about not only as we did last week in the wake of the horrific savagery, but now as we start to see what we can learn, let's talk about what the Muslim-majority world did in response. They they claimed as the Saudi government released their uh, paper drill of a condemnation, they claimed to stand with America and against the violence that ensued. Now, note, they didn't even connect it to ISIS, but uh, they did uh, connect it to radical, radical uh, uh, violent extremism, as the Saudis called it. They claimed to be on our side, and yet their ideas, their Wahhabi ideas that are that dominate their court system and their Sharia state is the root that fuels the ISIS's uh, legitimacy. There's a piece I want to share with you that was uh, written at uh, Arab Humanist website uh, and in Arabic and Arabic. It's called Al Arab Al Insanuyun, and basically it's uh, about Arab humanists. And Muhammad Radi wrote a piece that. He called, as an Arab, the Middle East reaction to Orlando left him speechless. And I think this is especially important, as it really wasn't covered very well in the in the wake of the Orlando savagery and act of terror. Really, what was the response in the Middle East? And uh, he talks about the fact that uh, he browsed through the web pages, Facebook pages of Al Jazeera, Al Arabiya, BBC Arabic, and a number of Egyptian news outlets to gauge exactly what the Arab world was responding to in the Orlando shooting. And he was quite disappointed and, and depressed as he looked to find the websites, social media, just inundated, not with condemnations, but with congratulatory remarks to Mateen about his courage in wiping out the homosexual activity, his courage in wishing death, further death that God may grant to the killer of the homosexuals the highest place in paradise. That is what is being written across what are called mainstream media outlets in the Middle East. And he said, Muhammad said there were simply too many hateful comments with thousands celebrating the attack from Tunisia to Egypt, Iraq, and Saudi Arabia. It was only through deep digging that a single person who expressed so much as a shred of sympathy to the victims and their families or even condemned the blatant massacre that took place could be found. And if you don't speak Arabic, visit Al Jazeera's Arabic Facebook page and scroll down until you see a post about the Orlando attack and note what the top three reactions are, you'll see that they are nothing about being saddened. And he goes on in his thoughtful piece to say, is he shocked? He was shocked. But the bottom line is is that uh, in the Arab world, dominated by Islamist ideologies, which are theocratic Islam, Homophobia is just rampant. And people who make different sexual choices are thus felt to be non-human, less than human. Now, you may argue, he said, that Al Jazeera is sympathetic to the Islamist movement, which it certainly is. It's the largest arm of the Muslim Brotherhood movement out of Qatar. But... And I think this is one of the most educational points about what Muhammad brings out at his Arab Humanist website. Uh, he says, The Egyptian news outlets generally have a large pro-Sisi following, and one might think that since they were anti-Muslim Brotherhood or anti-Islamists, that they would condemn the acts of terrorism against the human beings of the LGBT community. But that was not the case. And how many times have we talked about that? that these sec so-called secular governments have Sharia law, 
that infuses and inspires their entire legal system. The only difference between the Muslim Brotherhood running Egypt and al-Sisi is al-Sisi does it from a narcissistic military standpoint in which he uses the tool of Sharia to run his secular state, and yet still it radicalizes and fuels the movement of the Muslim Brotherhood, but his is a top-down Islamism, while the Muslim Brotherhood is a grassroots viral Islamism that infuses it in every corner of society. While al-Sisi claims falsely to be our ally, uses rhetoric about reform as he was lauded in that January 2015 speech at Al-Azhar, in which he said some good things about the need to end the violence, but he didn't use words like freedom and democracy. He didn't use words like the need to end political Islam and the Sharia or the Islamic State. So the implications, as Muhammad Reidi points out, are, are quite significant in that across the Middle East, whether Islamist governance as in Iran or the Wahhabis or Islamist movements or secular dictators, there was almost universally hate for the LGBTQ community and very little sympathy for the slaughter wantonly of 49 innocent human beings. And for those, as he says, Muhammad says, members of the left who claim that such terrorism has nothing to do with Islam need to become aware of the issue at hand that this is Islamism and understand the ramifications of evading discussions on it. The Arab world's moral collapse is the result of decades of fundamentalist Wahhabi indoctrination across the Muslim world, which has culminated in the recent rise of Islamist terrorism. Reform must come from within Muslim communities, and he said, I can't stress that enough. An open and frank discussion on the current understanding and interpretation of Islam is vastly needed. And yet he said it's great to see Muslims in the West condemning the attack and voicing solidarity with the victims and their families, but there still remains a long way to go. The Muslim world, particularly the Middle East and North Africa, has become rife with followers of either Arab nationalist anti-West ideologies, which are infused by Islamism, or Islamism and Wahhabism itself, both of which are cesspools for hate. And he notes that the standard response from a lot of liberals is that Christians can be homophobic too, and this has nothing to do with Islam. Right after a horrific terror attack where 49 people were killed because of religious fundamentalism, then a frank discussion is near, desperately needed. So it's the Muslim militants, the homophobes, that are killing, mass killing, not the Christian militants. So... We need to deal with our own problems. Muhammad brings this out at his Arab Humanist website, and there's a lot to be learned there, but make no mistake, the source of the cancer is the ideology that's spewed from Saudi Arabia and Iran all over the planet, be it Sunni or Shia. The homophobia is central to it, and it's one piece of the puzzle that prevents critical thinking, prevents um, apostasy, prevents blasphemy from being spoken. All of the things that are central to freedom are suppressed by the Islamists. When we come back, we're going to talk about what this means to the OIC's power. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. The Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. <laughs> Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. You know, I was talking to you about 
the world's reaction to Orlando, and we forget as we get focused in on what radicalized Omar Mateen, and we'll talk about his family and the local community. It's all relevant, but at the end of the day, these ideas that came to America to infuse into Omar Mateen's head were not just from the internet. Yes, a big part of it probably came from his father and his family. Yes, his wife was likely involved, and we'll have to talk about that. But the bigger enemy that's creating these monsters virally is political Islam all over the Muslim world and Muslim-majority countries. And those organizations, that organization that brings those countries together is called the Organization of Islamic Cooperation. And that is the evil empire of today. And when the president's cabinet decides that their policy will be to redact the 911 calls, that policy comes from what? Yeah, maybe some Muslim Brotherhood influence within the White House, certainly. But the bigger issue is the fear of the White House and the Attorney General, Lynch, who uh, went off on the Sunday programs last week talking about why they need to redact this and why they we can't give a platform to a militant and reward their savagery by giving their 911 call airtime. I'm sorry, but the jihadists will give glorification to the acts beyond what we do in our own media here. They will publicize it as they did Fort Hood, as they did uh, every act, be it from Chattanooga and San Bernardino, and the, the Awlaki, Imam Awlaki followers will, on their jihadist sites, find a thousand things to glorify already that's out there in the horrific acts that they commit. So when we have a conversation, it is not about them, it's about us. What are we going to do to understand and confront the ideas? Will we allow blasphemy laws through redaction to prevent us from understanding that their Islam played a role? It might not be my Islam, but we certainly need to understand that their Islam played a role. Political Islam, theocratic Islam, when you cross out and prevent the terms Allah, jihad, or when Mateen pledged allegiance to ISIS, that redaction would prevent the American public from understanding how central, regardless of what psychological problems Mateen may have had, or regardless of his penchant for uh, misogyny or, or other issues that he might have had, the bottom line is, is that the 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 fuse that lit him is this theocratic supremacist mentality that is common to every one of these radicals. And once we fix that, it will take away a significant portion of the global threat. Once we reform against the Islamism, theocratic Islam, and with it melts away the anti-Semitism, the homophobia, the misogyny, the anti-Westernism, the conspiracy theories, once that all starts to go away with reform, we will be a safer place. No, the psychiatric illnesses and other things will continue, but the bigger, much bigger problem of political Islam that dominates and oppresses hundreds of millions across the Muslim world will decrease in its threat upon us here in the West and in the free world. So as we spoke about last segment, Muhammad Rady's piece, I think, really brings home the issue that this is a global struggle. The response of the Muslim-majority country should speak volumes to not only their support of homophobia, but their want for killing and for violence. The fact that through their social media and their large so-called mainstream media, even in BBC Arabic and Al Jazeera and Al Arabiya, funded by the governments of Qatar and Saudi Arabia, the fact that the comments were filled with congratulatory remarks about the want and terror rather than a revelation that we need to look in the mirror, as I said last week on last week's podcast, that we need to look in the mirror for reform speaks to the volumes that we have a deep problem of not only a penchant for inhuman violence, but a supremacist mentality 
that Islam and our interpretation of it as Muslims is the only pathway to heaven, and that within that Islam is no diversity, no disagreement, and a mandate to force one interpretation of that Sharia law or Islamic law upon everybody else. And in the wake of Orlando, we had to sit down and listen to this back and forth about whether they were going to release what Mateen actually said. And you have to realize that the Obama administration's uh, um, spinelessness in releasing it had some influence from their fear of the foreign governments saying that we were allowing these militants to shape America's image of Islam and that we should not release it. And in fact, it goes to the same narrative that we were forced down our throat about Benghazi, that it had to do with a video and that a video would do these things and that this speech and and free expression has so much to do upon the way Muslims react and we must just control our free expression. In the meantime, our entire strategy has been not to counter Islamism, but to counter violent extremism. And certainly the conversation after Orlando was not about arming innocent Americans so that they can defend themselves, but rather disarming innocent Americans by taking their guns away and their rights in order to push the left's agenda, whatever that may be. And, you know, when people say, where are the voices of moderate Islam? How can we get a fair shake? You got the White House bending over backwards so that foreign governments don't see us uh, spread the speech of radical Islamists as we try to learn. You've got the left exploiting acts of savagery and acts of war. And as I said in last week's podcast, instead of demanding that we as American Muslims declare a jihad against jihad or war, as Americans declaring war against political Islam and the Islamist parties and movements across the planet, no. We have to marginalize the theocratic element of their viciousness and take each one as some kind of random aberrations of psychiatric illness related to that hunk of metal that had bullets in it. It's just related to the gun. Yes, there needs to be some tightening of legislation about possibly uh, people that are on terror lists and terror watch lists and and preventing them from being able to get weapons. Oh, maybe once you start monitoring violent Islamism, then a father who is doing videos supporting the Taliban, which is an enemy of the United States in the battlefield in Afghanistan, would then be on a watch list. And then his son, who also had tendencies to violence and was talking about violence, would be monitored. But no, as long as we're just monitoring violent is extremism and not violent Islamism, we can't monitor that. That's why we're losing this war, and that's why we'll continue to lose this war. And that's why naming it is important. It matters that we call it political Islam. It matters that we talk about what he said and listen to his comments declaring allegiance to ISIS and that he was an Islamic soldier. Mateen called himself. He didn't voice and spew hate at the time for gays, or he might have in the bar when he was doing the act, but the bottom line is, is he wanted to spew what he thought would bring him to heaven, which was acting as an Islamic soldier. And that's exactly what the Times Square bomber said. If you go back and read his transcript to the judge, he said he was fighting as a jihadi soldier. That's what Fort Hood, Nidal Hassan said. That's what the Chattanooga shooter said before he posted he wanted to establish the state of Islam on the planet and leave. And he wrote that weeks before his act. But we're not monitoring that, no. We are in a perpetual state of surrender as we continue to simply wait and expect our homeland security operation to 
have some kind of minority report like the movie goes where we know before they commit the act without ideology that they're going to be violent. Forget whether they're Muslim, forget whether they're Islamist. Just somehow we're supposed to spontaneously know where the hundreds of millions of Islamists around the world might be committing an act and uh, of those in the United States that might be here, this citizen who was born here, nothing to do with being a refugee. He was born here and radicalized by his community, by his family under our noses while we ignored all of the signs. When we come back, I'm going to talk about what does diversity mean in the Muslim community today? And it is time. If you want reform to happen, it is time to demand ideological diversity from every Muslim you talk to. Breaching the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. If you're crossing the border in the desert heat and it's 110 or 117 degrees and you're hot and you're tired and you're thirsty, Mm -hmm. how about this? Stay home. Okay? Don't come. Don't come here. If you... (laughs) (laughs) Pat and Stu. Weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio Network On Demand. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This with Zudi Jasser, your faithful American Muslim working to make this place safer from the real threats of radical Islamists and doing my part to get other Muslims to do our part to begin the hard work of reform. And we were talking about diversity. You know, one of the most hysterical claims, if there could be such a thing, post-Orlando, was Corey Saylor. And if you don't know Corey Saylor, put him on your radar because he is one of the uh, foreign agent operatives, claims to be an American, but acts like a foreign agent working for the Council for American Islamist Radicalization. And he said at a press conference earlier this week, now, mind you, they had a report that is basically a metaphorical hit list of people they call Islamophobes or the Islamophobia machine, as they say. And yours truly, a conservative, faithful, pious Muslim, is listed as an Islamophobe. Now, if that's not a declaration of tekfir, tekfir meaning saying that I'm an apostate and I don't belong to the faith, I don't know what is. But... We'll get to that later. Now, the the point I want to first make is Corey Saylor, they, their head of their Islamophobia division, sounds Orwellian, by, by the way, but he said, the third point to our strategy is more empowered voices. The Muslim community is not monolithic. Anybody who pays attention to it will see that we have significant, healthy debates going on among ourselves every year, every day. Our major holiday, Eid, is a topic of significant debate. When is this going to happen? Tomorrow? Next day? When does the moon cycle start? So if we can have these kind of healthy debates, we want all of those voices to be trained and go out and speak to the public at large. Let's let the public at large see more of us talking about the full spectrum of views that exist within the Muslim community. Now, For those of you who know how intolerant care is of any diverse voices, for those of you who know how misogynistic care is, how homophobic they are and the associations they make with imams all over the country who will scream from the pulpits of the mosques, homophobic screeds, misogynistic screeds where women are treated as second-class citizens, pushed to the back of the mosque, behind curtains, proves that this is just a bunch of hogwash. To them, diversity is about little fatwa disagreements about this moon sighting, whether you use scientific debate or direct literal 
visual visualization of the moon. Yeah, that is a debate, but in the scheme of things, as our co-religionists are are, are using uh, uh, weapons to assassinate 49 people on a Saturday night in a club, we are saying that we are diverse because we have debates over when the Ramadan moon sighting is? He really, I mean, Corey Saylor and his fellow Hamas colleagues at CARE really take Americans for dupes. They really think this is going to prove diversity. The other thing they do in many of these Islamic organizations, including the Muslim Public Affairs Council and the Islamic Society of North America, is they expect Americans to believe that diversity is about Oh, they have people from Malaysia and from India and from Pakistan and Saudi Arabia and Syria and Algeria and Tunisia. Such a diverse national origin represented. That's real diversity. Oh, we have Sunni and Shia. You know, and uh, <laughs> Sunni and Shia, okay, so they have uh, Muslim Brotherhood apologists and Khomeinist apologists. That's not diversity to most Muslims. But to them, Diversity is not ideological diversity, it's racial diversity, and it's diversity related to little nuances on the fringes of their frozen universe, of their fossilized mindset that's still stuck in the 12th century. That's not diversity, that's deception, and they need to be called on it. The mosque that President Obama went to in February 2016, the Islamic Society of Baltimore, has on its YouTube site a screed that's homophobic in which their imam was calling for the eradication of homosexuality from the planet. Now, regardless of whether you support gay marriage or not, and yes, there are a a whole gamut of views on homosexuality in America— But there's one thing to disagree with the lifestyle. There's one thing to say whether government should recognize that marriage. And a whole other thing to call for its eradication from the planet. And then to, to, as we said, as I said last segment, for most of the Muslim majority world, they were applauding the massacre. There was very little real genuine condemnation of these human beings that made their own choices. And it's no one for us to judge that. You know, as we say in the Muslim reform movement, we talk about the fact that ideas don't have rights, human beings do. And the, and the radicals at CARE and other Islamist groups, they believe ideas like Islam has rights. That's why they don't call it bigotry against Muslims. They call it Islamophobia. Because they believe the idea of their Islam has rights. So therefore, anyone who is to offend their perception of Islam, not any human being, or attack or threaten a human being, but threaten their concept of Islam, becomes a hater, becomes a bigot. That was the program of the Organization of Islamic Cooperation. That is why the term Islamophobia was concocted in the mid-90s. And that is the noose around the neck of Muslims all over the planet who are in the jails of Saudi Arabia, like Raif Bedoui of Free Saudi Liberals, and in the jails of Iran, who tried to speak about their faith in a more moderate way, who tried to question Islam like many in the Christian or Baha'i community. Ask the Jewish community why there's no Jews left in the Middle East other than in Israel. Almost every country they've been driven out. And, you know, I get sick to my stomach when I hear them say, oh, Assad at least protects the religious minorities. ISIS is committing a genocide. Yes, certainly ISIS is far uh, more frontal about its attack on minorities. But uh, right now they're attacking Yazidis and Christians because they're in front of them. And Assad claims to be the defender of Christians, but... There are no Jews left in Syria like there were when my grandfather was there, when his business partner was from the Aleppo Jewish community, because the Assad regime, the Ba'athists, the Arab fascists, were just as deeply anti-Semitic and hateful of minorities as the Islamists are. And the Assad regime, as much as it claims to be secular Arab 
feeds from the trough of the Islamism of Khomeini and Iran and peddles the same radicalization of the community in Syria as Iran does within its own Shia community. So make no mistake, the use of the term Islamophobia as part of the uh, conspiracy works that, that works between both the Islamist theocrats and the monarchs and dictators that together create this huge cauldrons that prevent free speech and questioning in those societies. So this week, uh, UC Berkeley, the bastion of collectivism and liberalism, uh, and from their Center for Race and Gender, released a report along with the Council on American Islamist Radicalization, CARE, released their Islamophobia report. And again, they release it every year. We've been on this list for some time. But, you know, you have to think back, well, what is the deal with them releasing these lists? You know, for a group that uh, just a month ago, Nihad Awad was waving to the media the fact that he was listed by ISIS and threatened as a, on their hit list. Well, he's been peddling in lists for years. And by the way, the reason... Nihad Awad was listed on ISIS's list is the old internecine battles within the Islamist movement between those who are frontally militant, grotesquely savage like ISIS, and the others that are more deceptive but still have the same ends of the Islamic theocratic state, the Sharia state, like Care, Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas, and others have. They seek the same ends as ISIS, but they use a different means and may not be as much peddling and violence as ISIS and might disagree with their fatwas on beheadings and fatwas on severing limbs and enslavement of women. So care may condemn terrorism, but they seek the same ends as the Muslim Brotherhood and the Khomeinis, which is the Islamic republics. And if you don't agree with me, then fine, please for me, please send it to me where CARE has condemned the concept of an Islamic Republic, and CARE has condemned the mixture of mosque and state and sharia and government. They've never done so. They're too busy keeping us distracted with their Islamophobia lists. And you look at this report that they released, detailed with grafts and and uh, uh, high-scale, high-level reporting, which academically doesn't pass muster for a fifth grader, but uh, production-wise, it looks pretty nice. Spent a lot of money on it. And where's their report on how to reform the ideas that creates ISIS? The American public should be asking, where's their report on the ideas to help the, the Syrian rebels create secular republics rather than Islamist theocracies? Where's their report on how to reform the ideas that the Muslim Brotherhood tried to destroy Egypt with once it took power? Where's the ideas on how to end Wahhabism in Saudi Arabia? Or when they show up on press TV, as CARE has 50 times in the past four to five years, where's their ideas on how to end the Khomeinism and the Islamism of Iran? Nowhere. They're too busy making hit lists of Americans that take the jihad seriously and are trying to counter it. And make no mistake, when an American Muslim gets placed on an Islamophobia list by care, that is a message to other Muslims that that is what's going to happen to you if you stick your head up and start to talk about reform and talk about political Islam and label us as Islamist and use the real, genuine truth in those terms instead of keeping your head down and not asking the tough questions about our community. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This. We'll be right back. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. The Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. A sloth apparently sloths only go to the bathroom once a week. The metabolism is obviously really slow. And sloths are very cute, and they are upside down for their entire life, pretty much, except when they come down to ground level in order to to uh, poop. This is so dumb. I'm sorry, and they can lose a third of their body. 
don't know why I find this funny. I'm sorry. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Zudi Jasser and welcome back to Reform This. Today we're looking at some of the deeper fallout from the Orlando terror attacks and act of war and also last segment we finished talking about the Council on American or for American Islamist Radicalizations uh, report on Islamophobia and basically the impact that this list has in telling militants across the planet these are your enemies. And yet CARE doesn't want to say that this is a war because they are the insurgents within the United States. They are the Islamist movement. I want to share with you that uh, since we last spoke, I went and gave a speech for Birmingham uh, Rotary Club in Birmingham, Alabama. And I have to tell you, it was inspiring to be there. There's so much history in Alabama. You think about the civil rights movement in the 60s and so many iconic times and leaders in the black civil rights movement to wake up America to its racism and how it was treating a whole race, a segment of humanity in a way different than it should have and in an unequal way. And in my speech, as I often do, I talk about the need, as I am and I have with you, about the the need for us as Americans that were founded on fighting theocracy to help and understand those Muslims who want to also fight the theocracy from within. Well, the news media covered my speech and um, one of the local networks there, WTVM, had a uh, piece titled, Muslim American Wants More Done to Stop Radical Islam, But the Message Doesn't Sit Well with Others. And initially, uh, Jamisa Price, uh, the reporter, posted that and had a generic ending to the report in which she said, the Birmingham Islamic Society, which is the largest mosque in Birmingham, and CARE, C-A-I-R, Alabama, are very familiar with Jasser's beliefs. They said he's part of the problem and is only spreading Islamophobia. There was no name, no attribution, nothing. I tweeted uh, a response to the reporter saying, what kind, you know, what kind of reporting is that? Who is this? We want to understand who it is that smears me and dismisses my tough love to my faith community, to the faith that I love. And the speech that I gave in a way that just calls it Islamophobic. Well then, oh, surprisingly, a few hours later, the president of the Birmingham Islamic Society, Ashfaq Tawfiq, Ashfaq Tawfiq posts a response that they then post on the uh, news, uh, news station's website. And they said, he said, From available reports, the Orlando perpetrator was a nominal Muslim who would frequent gay bars. His ex-wife described him as mentally unstable and bipolar, who would take steroids. This mass murderer does not seem to be someone who understood the basics of Islam or sincerely followed its tenets. Certainly this is the kind of person who would fall prey to online radicalization by terrorists. Oh no, the, the sheikhs in Saudi Arabia don't get Islam either with the way they behead homosexuals or they they throw them off cliffs in Iran. Do they not understand Islam? By saying that the House of Islam, and now back to um, Tawfiq's response, by saying that the House of Islam is creating radical extremists, we are conveniently ignoring the massive ongoing efforts of American and international Islamic scholarship leading the charge against intellectually deconstructing the extremist ideologies being propagated in the guise of Islam. He goes on to say, Muslim scholars have thoroughly refuted the ideologies of terrorists that claim to carry out the barbaric acts in the name of Islam. And he quotes the letter to Baghdadi. And as you may recall in one of the earlier podcasts, I exposed to you why that letter to Baghdadi is a, is a joke. Because it doesn't condemn jihad, it doesn't condemn the caliphate, it just says Baghdadi didn't have the authority to do it. So basically, again, agrees with the ends of ISIS, but not the means. 
Tawfiq, the head of the Islamic Center in Birmingham, in response to my speech, says, by claiming that Islam needs reform, which he didn't hear, by the way, what Dr. Jasser is effectively doing is conflating the fringe ideologies of radical groups that claim to be Muslim with the normative Islam practiced by 1.5 billion peaceful Muslims throughout the world. If anything, Islam needs to be properly explained to the youth and uninformed Muslims who are the targets for recruitment by terrorists so that they know the Islam that does not condone terrorism. He said the majority of the mosques in the U.S. follow the Islam of the late boxing champion Muhammad Ali, who was a clear example of what American Islam looks like. There was no influence of Saudi Arabia or Iran there. To see how American Muslims practice, he'd suggest we visit a local mosque. I mean, talk about the deep denial. Talk about the fact that this man ignored... My speech, by the way, is available online. The audio link is is available at uh, our website, our, our AIFD TV YouTube site. And follow my Twitter feed at uh, Reform This Radio. And also at my Dr. Zudi Jasser Twitter feed to find it. But the bottom line is, I think this is a clinic in the, in the deep denial in their attempt to, at least finally they responded, but I had to force the response. And when they respond, they don't respond with an, a debate about whether the Islamic State is legitimate. They respond with a denial that Islam has anything to do with it. They respond with a quote that 1.5 billion Muslims are peaceful, which is absurd when you look at the world on fire from, from hundreds of millions of Muslims that are in an internal war, that Islam is going through that same time in history that Christianity went through in the 16th, 17th, 18th century, which were bloody, bloody wars. And to say that Islam is not going to go through that same process because it is inherently peaceful, I'm sorry, yes, the Islam I teach my children I believe to be peaceful. The Islam of most Muslims I know is peaceful. That, But these are American Muslims who escaped regimes in which they were imprisoned. And yes, the Islam of Muslims that are trying to reform from within the prisons of these dictatorships. But this... Uh, a self-righteous Islamic leader in Birmingham is lying. He's lying if he's trying to tell you that you can just dismiss the Islam of Saudi Arabia and Iran and, and Egypt and Pakistan that somehow uh, we can pull off the shelf Sharia textbooks that are updated to the 21st century. I would defy any reporter to ask this Birmingham Islamic leader why it is that most of the textbooks still call for the death penalty for homosexuality and Muslims have not said anything about it. It is an abomination that ultimately Muslims can dismiss other Muslims without a debate, that there is no debate here. He was talking past me. He was not addressing the issues that I empathically addressed that the reporter did tell him that I said. Instead, he dismissed me as being part of this Islamophobia hit list that somehow just hates and is bigoted rather than being about tough love, rather than being about America's roots of fighting theocracy. Don't be deceived. Don't let these Islamist groups dictate who we are, what Islam is, or the questions we can ask. Like treating cancer, the American Muslim community is going to get a little sicker before we get better. And I think it is time for us to ask the tough questions. Last, we need to look at, for example, if you look at Mateen's father, Sadiq Mateen, it is now coming out that he had some very bizarre relationships that we need to figure out who was it that missed the clues. There are pictures now being uh, found on the internet of him standing in the White House in the um, press conference center uh, that uh, he also took pictures with various members of Congress and was doing lobbying activities with the American Muslim Alliance. The photos came from his Facebook page. 
that show him outside the Democratic offices of the Foreign Affairs Committee in the United States Senate. It also shows him with uh, a Republican member of Congress and others. And it's time that these questions be answered. And I think it becomes very revealing to show that the political arm of Islamic groups is the pool in which militants can be plucked out of and get radicalized. That the first stages of radicalization, as the NYPD report talked about that the Islamists tried to deep six, and they actually did get, for the most part, deep six. One of the most seminal pieces on radicalization talked about the stages, and the initial stage of identification is the most important stage. And that identification is what the Islamist identity movement, the Islamist insurgency that rejects Western free societies, rejects Americanism, our constitutionalism, our public. They reject all of that in exchange for their Islamic platform, their their Muslim Brotherhood type party. And Mateen's sympathy for the Taliban, that Islamic party, the conspiracy theories that came out of that was part of the milieu that I think we need to begin to be on the lookout for. That these groups that are supposedly representing Muslims are actually the first stages of radicalization. So please, the next time you see the acronym C-A-I-R, don't call it the American Islamic Council for American Islamic Relations, but call it what they are, which is the Council for American Islamist Radicalization, because they are the first stage in radicalization of American Muslims. We see with Mateen, you had sympathizers with the Taliban and others. We saw with the clock boy that his father ended up being somebody that ran for president of, of Sudan at the time and also then had quick connections in which he plucked his son out from that Islamophobic school in Texas and all of a sudden he ended up in Qatar and was on the OIC um, uh, bandwagon doing the the uh, trip from country to country as the pro poster boy for anti-Muslim bigotry and he would stand up against it and it turns out his dad was plugged into the Islamist movement the the campaigns of Sudan and had sympathy for 9-11 was part of the truther movement of that but we ignored all that because the issue was why America was bad from the mainstream media so much to share with you in so little time, I hope that as you go on, you know that our greatest weapon in the battle against political Islam and Islamism is a freedom, is our free speech. We cannot allow blasphemy laws to be invoked either from Islamist groups that claim Islamophobia from our president uh, who tried to redact it and then later uh, withdrew that. They, they said it was going to be a distraction, so then they released the whole report, but we know that it was the American public demanding the truth that finally made them do the 180. That is what we need to continue to do. Expose the Islamism of of uh, uh, families like Mateen's before their children commit acts of terror. Expose the need for real diversity within our Muslim community, as I discussed, ideological diversity, not window-dressing diversity about moon sightings. Expose the real homophobia that exists and not... They're so-called shoulder-to-shoulder with the gay community that CARE tried to do. So much more to talk to you about. I look forward to to being with you next week on Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.